Welcome back to NL Newsday. I'm your host, Jeff Andreas. Hope everyone had a lovely weekend, an election day weekend, and happy to have that now in the rearview mirror. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show now Acumen Law's Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you doing here today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good. How was your weekend? Did you have fun watching the election results roll in Saturday night? I did. I was paying close attention to what was going on with uh, the voter turnout, as well as the way that the mail-in ballots could impact some uh, particularly key ridings in this election. Yeah, there's a couple that are left out there to kind of still be determined, but at least we know the full kind of scale of the outcome of the election, which I was a little bit worried about heading in Saturday night. Will we actually know who the premier is? And thankfully, I didn't have to worry about that. So happy about that. But we're still a couple of ridings definitely to to keep our eyes on. All right, let's talk a little bit about winter driving, because that's something that we're dealing with basically here in Kamloops right now. Uh, On Friday, we started to get snow overnight Thursday night into Friday. We got quite a bit um, dumped here in the city itself. Uh, Not something that, you know, is uncommon, maybe in some higher elevations, but we got it right in the valley bottom. And people oftentimes forget how to drive once snow hits the ground. So I'll just kind of start with that, with your experience as uh, someone who kind of specializes in driving law. Do you notice whenever there's kind of that first dump of snow that there's always uh, some people out there who don't know how to actually handle those snowy conditions when the first snowfall arrives and maybe you deal with some silly um, accident claims that maybe uh, don't necessarily need to be there if people just slow down, but it's the first winter, so that's how it kind of goes. Oh, absolutely. Every time the snow falls uh, for the first time of the year, we see an increase in accident claims, an increase in uh, unusual driving incidents um, that tend to attract police attention. Um, My biggest advice for people once they see the snow on the ground is make sure to go slow, but also don't go too slow. Um, Because a lot of accidents are caused by vehicles that are traveling too slow, where other drivers uh, attempt to go around them and attempt to pass them in unsafe conditions or where road lanes that would ordinarily be wider are smaller because of cleared snow on the side of the road. Um, And so, you know, make sure that you're going at appropriate speed. You don't have to travel the speed limit, but you shouldn't be going so slow that you're impeding the regular flow of traffic. Do you get a lot of instances, too, where maybe people commit an offense or, or do get involved in some sort of a minor fender bender and really try hard to blame it on the weather, despite the fact that it is probably their own fault for not driving to conditions? Yes. And, you know, thankfully, you don't need to do that. Um, Our insurance system that we have, um, even before we went to sort of before the transition to no fault started happening, um, our insurance system that we have doesn't really care whether or not the accident happened as a result of the weather or whether the accident happened because you were driving badly. Either way, your insurance is going to cover you for the accident so long as you're not in breach of a condition of your insurance. So it's best instead of trying to make up excuses to always be honest. Uh, if you are in an accident because you're maybe not driving as carefully as you should be in the snowy conditions. Perfect. Well, good reminder for everybody here today. I'm sure by the end of the week, this conversation will be a little bit irrelevant once we get warmer double-digit temperatures, but that does always kind of uh, something to discuss when we do see snow on the ground for the first time. All right, with that in mind, I did want to switch topics here a little bit. And an interesting story that occurred here last week in the area. So uh, a good Samaritan uh, basically was driving driving along the road, and he saw what he thought was a dead bald eagle on the side of the road. And he saw some predators attacking it, basically trying to uh, eat it, I suppose, would be the case. And he didn't want to leave the bald eagle in that situation, so he picked it up and put it in his car. And... um, 
While he was driving, all of a sudden, he put this bald eagle in the back seat, which he thought was dead. Well, it wasn't dead, and it slowly woke up, probably had some kind of a concussion, came to, and man, the driver had a bit of a shock, needless to say, as he was driving down the road, and a bald eagle all of a sudden is is alive and awake in his back seat. Um, I guess just the, the question in relation to this is, first of all, have you ever heard of a story, anything like this? This was uh, something when I read it, I was shocked. I was uh, kind of nervous for the driver, thinking, what the heck happened here in this situation? Have you ever heard of somebody, you know, kind of having a, an unexpected awakening in their back seat like this? Uh, surprisingly, yes, I have uh, seen a situation like this before that uh, resulted in a motor vehicle accident. So it's very dangerous if you pick up an animal on the side of the road and you're not 100% certain that that animal is not alive, you run the risk of putting yourself in a situation that can pose a huge hazard to you and others on the roadway. Now, if in that particular situation, thankfully in this case, there was no accident. The guy was able to uh, g- gather his bearings and pull over to the side of the road and, and figure things out and get him in that, that bird into a kennel. But nonetheless, um, in this situation that you're talking about, uh, it didn't result in an accident. What charge, I guess, would someone get in a situation like that? Uh, that seems like something that would probably be a little bit unique for an officer rolling up on to decide how do I actually uh, charge someone in that kind of a situation. You could face charges under the Wildlife Act. If you find a dead bird, especially a predatory bird like an eagle or a hawk on the side of the road, your obligation is not to pick it up and put it in your car to keep it for whatever purpose. Um, It's instead to contact conservation officers. And if you're worried about predators attacking the carcass, you know, this is one thing that happens in nature. We have to let nature take its its toll. Um, But also you can stay and keep watch over the uh, deceased animal uh, until conservation officers come to deal with it. You shouldn't be picking up a deceased animal off the roadway and putting it in your car. As far as um, other charges you could face, um, potentially you could face a, a charge for having insecure cargo in the vehicle by not ensuring that it was in a safe position where it couldn't affect you if it did come back to life, um, or even charges for driving without reasonable consideration to other people using the road. Interesting. Well, uh, yeah, I never heard of a situation like this, and it was uh, just a more more of a funny story, I guess, more than anything else. But when you're talking about a, a big bird, like a bald eagle, I mean... There's some potential for some uh, real repercussions for the individual as a result of that, but thankfully he was uh, got, got away unscathed. Okay, uh, one more topic here for you, Kyla, and uh, it's in relation to quarantining. So it's something we've obviously talked about a number of times over the course of this pandemic, but uh, we got a, a bit of a release here from the Public Health Agency of Canada saying over the past seven months, police have issued 77 fines and charged just seven people for violating Canada's Quarantine Act. And that, you know, the, the act took effect in late March. More than one million people who entered Canada were required to quarantine for 14 days, and the agency said it had flagged more than 247,000 of those travelers to police as potential quarantine violators. So when we're talking about that, more than 1 million people being flagged and yet only 77 fines and 7 people being charged, those numbers really don't add up to me. Do they add up to you, Kyla? Well, 
I think so. I mean, I think most people who are coming into Canada, as we know from what the government has been saying, are people who are coming here to reunite with their families, who were abroad and who are coming back, or are essential workers and and exempt from quarantine requirements. Um, And I think we trust that most people who are making the effort to travel, taking the risk to travel in the midst of this pandemic, are trying to do the right thing and are going to comply with the applicable laws. And because we've had these quarantine requirements in place now since March, we also, nobody's surprised when they show up to the border that they have to stay at home for 14 days. So I, I think that the numbers actually reflect the sort of general level of respect that our citizens have had for the quarantine uh, rules and, and the way that those have not been by and large violated by individuals. So that's sort of a, a direct contrast to what some have said. For example, Ontario Premier Doug Ford, I know, has complained publicly not enough people are being punished for breaching the Quarantine Act. He says, quote, it's a broken system and, you know, we have we can't have our police running around and seeing people breaking quarantine and nothing happens to them and it turns into being a bit of a joke. So you would uh, obviously not share, share those views uh, that, that Doug Ford has here at this point. It's not many views that I share with Doug Ford, and this one is, is also one of those. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just felt like when you're talking about a more than a million people being flagged and only 77 fines, I would just expect that you know more of those individuals, if they're being flagged, uh, you know, you say most of them are obviously being um, appropriate and they're they're taking the system into account, and and if they're going to be traveling, they're being respectful. But still, when more than a million people get flagged and only 77 fines, it just seems like there's probably more that could be done to address the situation and and maybe it is i guess is there probably a lot of uh, people in, in this particular section that we're talking about that maybe got a warning and then and then were able to comply thereafter is that maybe something that i could be looking at that's not going to be incorporated in this data Warnings certainly wouldn't be incorporated into this data. And though I understand a lot of warnings have been issued for people who didn't understand the quarantine requirements, who thought, oh, you know, when you're in quarantine, you can go take your dog for a walk or you can pop by the grocery store, fill up your car with gas or just go for a drive. It's usually due to a simple misunderstanding and not a flagrant breach of the rules. And because the penalties for breaching the Quarantine Act are so significant, you know, extremely high fine, the potential for jail, and even the fines provincially, if you're caught breaking a provincial um, quarantine order, are also very high. I think the police are using their resources sparingly and only charging people and only issuing tickets to the people who are doing it deliberately and willfully, and not the people who are just genuinely mistaken about what it is that quarantine actually looks like. Yeah, well, if you put it like that, I guess 77 makes more sense. If uh, you look at fines as a last resort, then, uh, yeah, and maybe those numbers do correlate a little bit better. Kyla, as always, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for doing this. Always enjoy speaking to you every single Monday, and hopefully we get a chance to uh, do it again here next week. I look forward to it.